Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm your host, Sean T. I'm so excited for today's podcast because sometimes in life you have to call a friend. Kind of like that um, that TV show, uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And you have to phone a friend. So a couple months ago, you know, I was going through something. I just needed some motivation and inspiration. So I called my friend, Lewis House, who a lot of you may know I actually spoke at his summit of greatness we became good friends and he's just a really great person and one of the cool things about this podcast is that we went into it just talking as friends and the conversation just went where it went naturally which is what I actually love about uh doing some of these type of podcasts because I think a lot of people look at uh you know either podcast podcast hosts or celebrities and they think oh they have it all together and sometimes we just need to phone a friend In addition to that, um, I'll talk a little bit about how Lewis House actually has inspired me in my business a couple years ago and how I use some of the tools to enhance my business and ultimately enhance my life. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy this really cool conversation with a really great guy. Uh, If you don't know Lewis House, make sure, number one, you listen to the podcast, and number two, go follow him on social. He always has some really amazing and inspiring things to say to help you dig deeper in your life and trust and believe in who you are. What's up? This is Sean T and it's time to trust and believe. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. What's up, brother? Lewis, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good, man. You I know, you. So, I know I miss you too. It's been so crazy, man. Not just what's happening in the world right now, but just crazy and the fact that our schedules are just maddening. Crazy, man. Lots going on. Um, so how are you? Just like like generally, how are you doing? I feel under the circumstances of my, after being in a long distance relationship for almost a year and my girlfriend moving in on Christmas day, uh, one of my heroes passing away, Kobe Mm -hmm. Bryant, who I interviewed to coronavirus 
to now just everything that's happening in America uh, and, and all the pain that people feel, I feel actually pretty good under that context. You know, it, it's been it's been a lot of a you know moving in with someone for me. I didn't realize it would be so much learning and communication and um, just just changing schedules and and just changing your routine. Then changing routine with coronavirus. You know, we're hiring people, letting people go. Just so in, in the context of it all, I feel pretty good. Uh, and I think it's because I've been preparing myself for moments like this my entire life. Well, I think just adjusting your life in general, just daily adjustments. I mean, from the moment you wake up in the morning to the time you go to bed every single day. I mean, just think about the conversations we've had just as friends. Every single time we have a conversation, <laughs> it's a different conversation. And so right. if you think about it, you know, it's, I tell people a lot of times, you know, one of my best superpowers and my favorite superpower that I have is the ability to be flexible mm -hmm. because when I was younger, I was so impatient, you know, just, just from everything. I mean, you went through a lot in your life as a mm -hmm. younger person too. So everything just kind of caused angst. And so just building that superpower of being patient and flexible. Yeah. I can only imagine being a dad with two kids right now and, and just running the business and everything you're doing. So. Well, I don't think it's uh, any different than moving in with someone. <laughs> I mean, think about it. As much, you know, I love my kids. You love your girlfriend, but yes. it's still an adjustment. You still have to, you know, take on somebody's early morning mm -hmm. routine, their midday routine, mm -hmm. their, their afternoon routine, and so on and so forth. Yeah. But um, anyway. Hey, I how are you feeling, man? You feeling good? I, I, I have zero complaints. I mean, obviously what's happening in the world right now is very heavy. I've had some... Uh, some really amazing conversations. Every conversation I've had with people in terms of either the pandemic or Black Lives Matter um, and people who are actually, I would say, on the other side of the aisle, I literally hate d dividing us as people because of a political status that we hold. However, uh, I think that's the issue and, and friends that I've, I have that are Republican because, you know, I mm -hmm. vote Democrat. I wish there was another party I could create. Right. But, uh, you know, we've just had really amazing conversations. People who came into the conversation not understanding what's happening in the world. They don't understand Black yeah. lives matter, why. And us just kind of coming together and, and understanding where the other person is coming from mm -hmm. and then finding a place in the middle where we can understand how we got to the way we think. Yeah, I think I saw a post of yours on Instagram about having really hard, challenge, uh, challenging conversations with, I don't know if it was your, your family, your family or, pa or your father-in-law or was it your well, family? My, my entire family, yeah. Really? I mean, as, what's that? Your, your immediate family or your married family? My married family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My married family. My immediate family would be, you know, here's the reality. The reality is speaking to black people that grew up in my neighborhood or that raised me is a completely different conversation than yeah and my family is not racist they're not bigots they're not judgmental against anyone it is but you're your married family my married your family. white your white family my white family <laughs> <laughs> just so people are clear yeah yes i'm married to a white man so, so they're not so time. they're not racist they're, they're none of those things but i saw a post of you crying because something there was some very challenging conversation well, the, issue, 
the issue is when you go into a conversation about what's happening in the world, because what's happening in the world releases so many different emotions. You, i.e. me, go, I go into a conversation already on defense. Mm-hmm. But you if know, you don't so understand where I'm coming from, then I'm going to be defensive. If you have and, any type of resistance, then you don't give me. <laughs> and it's, the resistance was, had nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. The resistance was everything of, I'm trying to understand. And for me, I'm like, well, you should already understand. Mm. You know, because I feel this way, so you should, you should feel this way already. Oh, interesting. You know, and, and that is what is happening around the country. You know, one of my friends or someone posted, they said, you know, it's not our job to help people understand. And I'm like, yes, it is our job. It's 100% our job because if they came from a completely different place, they're not going to go research all these other things in life that don't potentially concern them or that aren't affecting them directly in that moment. But I'm hearing so many different perspectives of people saying it is white people's responsibility to, to not ask to be taught, but to go learn and educate themselves and listen. And so, uh, I appreciate your perspective. I think everyone's got different perspectives because I think as, as white people, it's like this very walk on eggshells of a, what do I say? Do I ask for you to teach me? Do I go spend hours reading every book and watching every movie and, and educate myself because I should have done this decades ago? And so that's the conversation that I'm hearing from people. But the thing is, like, but that's like telling someone you shouldn't go protest. Mm. So if we don't want people to know then why are we protesting? We should just sit in the house and be quiet. Right. By you protesting and you going out into the streets and creating these, you know, mass crowds of... Bring attention of, to an uh, idea. Yeah. Uh, people are learning by that. So you're saying... So when my friend calls up, my white friend who is a Republican, when he calls me up and says, I don't understand what's going on, can you help me out? I should be like, no, you need to go do your research. But why are why then are are some people offended by white people reaching out to their black friends and saying, "Hey, can you help me on this so I can understand better?" I personally feel like it's very similar to what I went through with my white family, my married family. Mm. It's you should already understand. Got you. And so I already carry the anger <laughs> of you not understanding, and I'm all I already entered a conversation pissed the fuck off. <laughs> You know, like I already entered a conversation that way. So if I entered a conversation already mad, then there's no way I can really open my mind until later. So I actually Mm -hmm. went out into the field and I was just like, I need to. And then I went back in, my my father-in-law hugged me. And then it was just like, you know, then it just becomes more like of an open conversation. You become or I become Mm -hmm. more open. You know, and it even extended into the next day when I was driving and and we took a breast stop and my, and it was just like a calm space. And you have to understand when you're in this place of anger or misunderstanding or being misunderstood, the hardest thing is to come out of that and go to the other side and be so like- So hard. And so I, I, you know, I said to my mother-in-law, I was like, you know, thank you. Like you were the only person who under, I felt understood what I was going mm-hmm. through yesterday. And just to tell someone that was really tough. And I think that people need to understand 
on both sides, a white person needs to go to a black person and be like, I know this is going to be tough for you to do, but I really need your help. Instead mm-hmm. of saying, like, help me understand. And the black person needs to say, this is really tough for me to do because I feel like this is something you should already know because it's just being a good human, but this is how we get through this. Yeah, I mean, I understand both sides. And I, I can only imagine also uh, as, a, as a gay man, you, I don't know if you had similar conversations when you, I guess, came out or came open about being gay to your friends. Did you expect other people to understand what it's like being gay? Or did you not like come up with defensiveness where well, you should just understand what it's like, you know? It's, it, it's, it was kind of different in each conversation. So when you're gay, the world is against you, right? Mm. So there is no and black people gay, white people brown people it doesn't matter everyone i mean a friend of mine posted something yesterday about you know he was holding his boyfriend's hand and they posted a photo at a protest and black people were like you can't black lives matter gay lives don't matter no and it was like you effing you know gay slurs wow. and so I'm a black, you know, I've said this before, but I'm a, I wake up as a black man in America, a gay black man who's married in an interracial relationship, having two kids that are, that look different races via surrogacy. Like I'm already, but I'm, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm here for it. So I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck you want me to do. But it is, it is, it is a, uh, it's a process to kind of get through that each yeah. and every day. But this particular situation well, let me go back to being gay first. Mm-hmm. When you're gay, you're hiding something. I can't hide the fact that I'm black. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. The thing that I'm... And then as a young gay person, you haven't really experienced what it's like to be gay. You haven't been around other gay people. Mm-hmm. So now you feel even more alone because you're in this place of... By yourself, yeah. I'm completely by myself. I haven't experienced I have no one to talk to. Whereas... When I speak, I can talk to other black males at this age, you know, at 42 and black females, and we all have a similar experience. So I feel like this situation, I'm going into it with an army where the other situation, I didn't have that army. It was just you alone. Yeah. Interesting. But did you expect other people to understand what it feels like to be gay? Like the, the challenges you were going through or the, the struggle, or was that not a defensiveness that you came from at that point in your life? No, I did. I never expected anyone to feel like what it was like to be gay. Like you need to, or or like you should be educating yourself on this, and you should understand this. No, because I went into it, and here's a little like comedic (laughs) interlude. I went into it like while I've had sex with women, I don't feel like doing that every day. So I know (laughs) you don't feel like having sex with a man if you're right, 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 or vice, or if you're you understood, yeah. I'm like, I already know you don't get this. Right. But I did have the defense mechanism of you should accept me for who I am. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because you're my family. Because they were the first people I came out to. My mom was yeah. my mom was mad cool. My grandfather who was a pastor. He loves everyone, but he definitely was like, you need to have a conversation about this relationship you're having with this boy. And I'm like, I didn't even come out to you. Like, how the hell you know? You know what I mean? Wow. Wow. So that was That's interesting. So how so how do you feel like we can uh, white people and black people can do a better job of communicating with each other without being defensive, or is it just there's going to be upset, there's going to be anger, and do our best to 
both learn and listen and, and, and grow together. I just don't feel like, I feel like people are so stuck in their ways and they're so afraid to be uncomfortable. Mm. And I thrive in uncomfortability. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's get uncomfortable. If I know I'm going into a really intense, tough debate, I am like, let's go. Not because I want to fight, but because I'm, I know I'm going to learn something. People don't want to learn about, people don't want to learn something new because they're afraid of what they're going to lose. Right? Mm-hmm. So if a white person has walked out of their house every day, they felt extremely comfortable. They don't even know what white privilege is, but I like to say you're a benefit, even if you don't know what white pri- privilege is, you're a beneficiary of it. Right? You drive down the street, you can walk through any other white neighborhood or black neighborhood. Like you don't even, you're like, cool. Like I'm living my life. But the minute we say, all right, I want to help you understand what it's like to be black. Number one, you have to acknowledge it. And a lot of people don't want to acknowledge it because maybe in their household, they've heard, you know, the latter and why it's not great or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, black people are not great. And then the second thing is um i think a lot of people are afraid that they're going to lose power Mm. because if this race comes in and everybody loves them Mm. now we don't need you know (laughs) affirmative action anymore like i i I know because i'm a white guy with blonde hair blue eyes or you know a strapping young fella like you like i know you know, I'm tall, I'm this, like, I, I'm white, like, I'm I'm the man. But see, and and people don't want to lose that. They don't want to lose that mm-hmm. privilege. But they don't, a lot of times, know that they have that privilege. They don't yeah. get it. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't. But I take somebody like you, like, when we hang out, you know, obviously, I know you're white. You know I'm a black man. But you ain't thinking, like, I'm with a black man, and I'm walking into this no. building, and people are going to be like... I mean, we walk in there being like, we know we look good, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like we do yeah. more fun, just silly yeah, yeah. things, you know? But what you're not understanding when we walk into that building is, I'm like, okay, do they think, like we, when we hung out at the Soho House, uh-huh. you know, obviously we have to show our card to make sure we're a member of the Soho House, but I walk in there and I'm like, well, obviously I'm Sean T, so I know some people will know me, but... I think, and this is going to be really crazy, you walk up in there like, oh, I'm at the Soul House. Like, this is the hot spot. I walk in the Soul House like, hey, this is the hot spot. I wonder if these servers are going to think that I belong here. Really? Or like, how did he get in here? Or like, no. did he get in here because he's with that white guy? Not because No way. Afford- 100%. That's what you think? Yeah. Wow. But the thing is, like, people don't understand that we think that. This is going, this is in the minds of so when we're hanging out, it's just a subconscious thing you're thinking of quickly. It's kind of just going in. Okay, then you go back to conversation. On rotation. On rotation. Wow. And I get up to go to the bathroom. And people are like, you are like, what? And I said this in a previous podcast, but it's when we left, when we leave the house as young black children in black neighborhoods and we go into mixed schools or we have go in white neighborhoods or go to a white person's house. Mm-hmm. Like our parents are like, make sure you act right. Not like behave, right. not like behave so you don't get in trouble. It's like, don't, don't go in there and act black. Mm. 
And that's what people don't get. Like we had this like ingrained in our soul and it's because of what our parents went through, what their parents went through, what their parents went through and the stories that are passed down. Yeah. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, it's funny. I was I, I called a friend of mine who a black friend of mine that I played arena football with in, in Alabama that I lived with for six months. He was a receiver with me, a good buddy of mine that we stayed in touch for, I guess, 15 years now. And the nicest guy. Um, and I called him, you know, after a couple of weeks ago, after all this started happening, I go, hey, man, just, just want to check in. Does this happen to you a lot, this type of harassment? And he said, you know, I, I just moved into a more white neighborhood in an area mm-hmm. of Dallas, like in a suburb of Dallas. And he said, I've been pulled over four times in the last seven months. And I was like, for what? And he goes, for, you know, I laugh because it shocks me, but it's not okay. He said, for driving black. And I go, what? I go, are you serious? Just for, I mean, for driving as a black man, you got pulled over. He goes, yeah. I go, come on, tell me you did something. Like you were swerving, you were this. Like, he goes, no. I'm like, turning signal, I'm pulling over, I'm doing all the things. And they arrested me one time and put me in a jail overnight. And I go, what? And he, you know, I was just like, this is crazy. And I never have to, to experience that type of uncertainty or fear or, you know, am I going to get pulled over? I might have other challenges or other fears or other insecurities or other things that I have to go through, but I don't have to go through that. And right. I think that's where the challenge comes from of, you know, as, as a white guy, I never had to fear for those things or go into a place and think about those things. Again, I might have other inner insecurities of you know, are they going to make fun of me or this, but it's not the same thing as are they going to uh, uh, label me as something and be racist against me because of the color of my skin. And I, that's why I think we need to all understand and hear stories like that from people like you or my friend where it's like, no, this happens all the time. Yeah. And I've, I've told this story before, but I actually want to tell it to you because it, because you had that experience with your friend so when I made that initial post about driving across country or driving, driving through a country and being and having all these fears, the next morning, Scott got a text message or later that day, Scott got a text message from, uh, from a friend of his that he plays soccer with. And he said, you know, tell Sean, I, like, I really feel him. I feel his post because before he drove from Vegas to Florida, he was moving. His mom was like, I, I need to go with you. I need to go with you. And because of that very reason, she's like, be careful. Make sure you, you know, drive the speed limit. Wow. Don't, you know, it's, and it's so, it's so wild. But, you know, I think that if everyone can kind of go into the conversation like you as someone as a, of, of the white community and just not be afraid to ask questions, tough mm-hmm. questions to know they understand and if people black people can just say no like this is what it is and not go into it in a combative stance like I yeah do. yeah yeah <laughs> you know I, th- I think um it's you know 
the responsibility for all people to educate themselves um, this, this is obviously a, a big issue that's been around for a long time and I think um, you know there's if you're a white person and someone is defensive don't let it allow it to stop you from asking questions don't allow it to be like okay like they're canceling me as a human being and now I'm going to go back into my hole and not uh, you know and get defensive back like mm-hmm. keep asking questions find other people keep researching because I think um, you're going to get it wrong. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to say the wrong thing. You know, I probably said something wrong already in this interview. And I think... No, long, you didn't. Oh, it's like, you never <laughs> it's know. But, space here. But, some, but someone listening might have been saying, oh, that was the wrong word to use. Or you shouldn't have used it that way. Or shouldn't have... Fra-, you know, who knows? Right. Someone's got their perspective. And I think the, the goal is to continue to educate and continue to come from a place of love and apologize when you make a mistake and... And uh, just keep showing up. So I think that's what white people can do is keep showing up. Yeah. I'll leave that right there. So I want to pivot, though. Sure. Uh, I want to say thank you. Because there was, you know, I think it was, I don't know if it was the last time we hung out. We went to the that was diner. The, we had a hotel or something. Or was it a diner? I don't know. It was a diner. Yeah. We were, I don't know. But, you know, you really helped me just kind of like at that point was the I would say the starting of where I wanted to go with my business and how I wanted to thrive in my business and how to really combine all of the things that I'm doing and you know you took the time out to just just genuinely and authentically be like hey this is what you do this is what I see this is how I feel and I just want to say thank you because it's it paid off like so much really that's good to hear yeah and it took me a long time to implement those things because i'm the kind of person where i'm i have to have anything i do in my life is like a dance move Mm -hmm. so i need the first step i need the second step (laughs) third step i need the fourth step i need the fifth step six seven and eight right so exactly i need i need the step-by-step process and i need to make sure that the lines are clean and this and that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, but where the dynamic shift really happened was during the pandemic, to be Mm. quite honest with you. And, you know, we, we, we hung out a while ago, but, uh, what was the shift you made? Um, so in the beginning of the year, instead of having a new year's resolution, I challenged everyone to come up with a word for the year. Mm-hmm. And that word is how you focus on your goals. That word, word is how you focus on the people you're around. That word is how you focus on yourself. And my word was time. And so I always said from the beginning of the year, I was like, am I maximizing my time? Am I maximizing my relationships? Am I maximizing the energy in my job? Am I maximizing my finances? You know, and so when the pandemic happened, it really all came to a head because I've, I had no choice, number one. But number two, it really created tunnel vision, which I normally don't have. Mm, <laughs> I'm a very yeah. creative person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it really helped me inspire my team. And my team stepped up. And, you know, we just have generated so much greatness wow. from you know, just some of those tips that you gave me. And I, and Shalene also, Shalene Johnson, you know. She's great. Really helped. But you two just kind of 
seeing what you do and like taking your energy and taking the things we talk about and how you guys have motivated me and specifically you in this conversation is really helpful. And the reason why I want to say that is because a lot of people look at Sean T and they look at the successful Sean T, you know, whatever they think, but we all need somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and in this case, that somebody was you. And I think at the time, while I always appreciate it from the core of who I am, you never know how much somebody is going to impact your life mm. until you open up your mind, open up your eyes, listen, and then take action. Mm. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate you taking the time and listening, and hopefully I was able to give some, some good feedback. So You were. I mean, and then, so I wanted to say that, but then you had this dynamic shift that happened in your life, and, you know, watching that, I'm going to use the word unfold, on social media and the <laughs> craziness of it, I was like, what is happening? Not in terms uh, of like yeah, what yeah. is happening, like mm-hmm. blaming or taking yeah. sides or this, that, and a third. I'm like, what's happening? And then I immediately switched my what is happening to being, to saying, well, this is a man I actually look up to. So I want to see how he's going to navigate his way to continue to be a person of service, which mm-hmm. you are, mm-hmm. and, and just maximize the process by living in it with love, which you do. So yeah, yeah. without go, and I've listened to podcasts that you were on. I've, you know, I've listened to a lot of the ways you talked about it, but I just want to know if there was one thing that you did over the course of a, the biggest change, mm. like what is that one superpower that you've used to help bring yourself to the present day? This is really interesting because I remember thinking to myself, for years like huh like my audience is growing pretty big like it's growing every you know week month everything's growing a lot and i haven't faced a lot of adversity like publicly with my audience and maybe i shouldn't have thought about it because then it's like i manifested it where people were you know just asking questions or whatever and um i remember thinking to myself like wow this is really this was a challenge in the fact that I didn't realize how quickly someone could say something and then everyone believe it to be 100% true in fact without actually knowing what is true in fact. Mm -hmm. And then people making assumptions, people not even reaching out and asking me questions and people just going down a tangent. And so I realized, wow, like I learned who my friends were. And so I was really grateful because I used to give a lot of energy to everyone and I still want to like serve humanity in the world, but my quality time is with a lot less people now. And I was shocked at some of the people that, what people were saying about me, what they were posting without even actually coming to me and just saying, Hey, whether this is true or not, or I'm disappointed or not, or anything like, I just wanted to check in and see how you're doing. Like, I didn't get that from very many people. You were one of a few people I got that from. And I remember some people that I was very close with for years, people that I'd had on my show, people that I'd promoted on my stages, people that I'd served tons of time and just to give to them without expecting anything in return. Some of our, you know, some of your close friends. And um, I was just like, okay, this shows me the, who people are. And so I was very grateful that I was like, now I don't have to give my time and energy to those people the way I have in the past. So thank you. I was also remember thinking like, the same time for whatever reason i was like okay now i have six years of interviewing and these tools that i can put into practice and i can actually try under some type of a challenge or adversity 
And so how am I going to show up? You know, this is like a game time moment. And I wasn't, I wasn't hurt necessarily by the act of what happened. Uh, I was more hurt by how people responded to it because I kind of expected the act to happen because that person said they were going to do these things, no matter you know, what I said to her and how I apologized and what was true and what wasn't true. And so I, would, I uh, you know, her doing that was like, okay, yeah, I, I understand it's going to happen. But the fact that people responded was kind of a shock to me. And I remember just there was one thing I did every single moment when I felt under pressure or under attack. I just said, I'm going to have hindsight now. I'm not going to have hindsight later. For whatever reason, that kind of came to me. I was just like, you know what? A year from now, it's going to be New Year's Eve. You know, my life is going to be completely different. I want to have some incredible people in my life. I'm going to know who my best friends are. My business is going to be growing. Like, and this is all going to be behind me. And I remember just saying that over and over again. I'm going to have hindsight now. This is happening for me. This is going to give me tools. This is going to help me shed my ego more. This is going to help me purge relationships that are taking all my time. This is happening for me. It's a powerful example of how it's going to help catapult me to serving more people. And, uh, and I was like, one day, this is all going to make sense as well, where something's going to happen in the world where people are going to need to come to me, and I wouldn't have been prepared for it without this type of challenge or experience. And now I'm going through the experience I need. And so this, this reminder of just going to that over and over again really helped me in a huge way. And, and having these core people in my life that were just supporting me was like, wow. So that was, that was really powerful. And to, and to meet someone also unexpectedly where I was like, I'm going to be single for years. You know, we had talked about this years ago when you knew I was going through challenges in my relationship. I was like, you know, I think I just need to be single. I just need to do this, you know work on my vision, and I was just like, I'm going to be single for a year. I'm just going to have fun, relax, and then I met someone where I didn't want to meet, um, and I was like, wow, this is actually like the dream relationship that I want to be in, and making that decision to be with someone and putting my energy into building a powerful, loving relationship was a great use of my time as well, so there were so many magical things that happened from a moment of adversity that I'm just appreciative and grateful for. And I wouldn't change a thing because it gave me so much more humility. It gave me so much more compassion. It gave me so much more a deepness of love. And it showed me who my real friends are. Hindsight now. Hindsight now. I think anytime you go through an adversity, it's really hard to look into the future. But I just kept saying, it's a year out. I'm having hindsight now. What are all the things that happened for me that made me better a year later. So if you can put yourself into the future and realize, you know, it's not going to affect you as bad as you think, and you just need to go through this tough challenge moment, then, and think of all the benefits that are going to come to you. That's what got me through a lot of that stress. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That's uh that's pretty powerful because as a person that suffers from anxiety, you <laughs> you're kind of taught to like anxiety is like stress about the future, right? Mm-hmm. And fear about the future, but this is like flipping it on its head. It's mm-hmm. saying, "Listen, this is a stress now, and in the future, it's going to be fine." It's and be fine. what's really interesting is if you look at the tabloids, if you look at every celebrity, Mm -hmm. I would say unless it had to do with sexual abuse or rape or Mm -hmm. something like that, every celebrity that's had some sort of challenges being being arrested, you know, even these people that got their kids into college. Yeah, exactly. The divorces, um, breakups, this and that, scandals. Yeah. In a year, people are playing their music again or seeing their movies Uh or... back to being their crushes and this is nothing like what you have been through in that in that situation but i just remember maybe the first time i posted a naked coffee photo and um people were like i'm unfollowing you (laughs) and my friend six months later they followed you back again (laughs) well that's the thing i have a really good friend and you know people were commenting these things and in the comments she said like, I don't know how many people she wrote this on, but she said, you'll be back. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. It's funny. I mean, I saw a lot of hateful comments, thousands of hateful comments for, I, I for to weeks say and weeks. And I was just like, what is going on with people like who have no clue actually what happened and just whatever, spreading whatever they think happened. And I remember... Uh, and, and by no means that I ever say that on my podcast, I'm perfect and that I and never make mistakes. All I do is talk about all the mistakes I make and how I can become <laughs> better. It's called like, I'm learning, I'm growing and I'm bringing people on to help me. Yeah. And, um, and I remember one woman, some woman said some just, I mean, a lot of nasty stuff, but one woman said something nasty. And then I remember a year later, her emailing me and saying, you're amazing, Lewis. I want to interview for my podcast. And I was just like, no. Like, no, thank you. I hope you have a good day. But it's just like, don't come back to me. And then there's so many people starting to come back to me now. Lewis, can I get on your show? I have a book coming out. Lewis, can you help me here? And I'm just like, where were you? I've read every single one of those comments. Everything. Everything. And what I found to be, I will say, in my conversations I have with Scott, mm-hmm. and I think Sam, because he loves you. Yeah. Um, and this is no... this. You know, there, I, there was no negative talk about, you know, your ex or anything. Because, you know, I really like her too. So yeah, I wish the best for her. Um, yeah. But I remember saying to them when all this went down, I was like, no one knows the entire story. No one knows. So how in the hell are you making that comment? And I understand that people use social media to vent and post. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. You can use this to vent a post and, you know, even you can, you know, have your way of dealing with it. But the comments less than, you know, just be the best you can be. Mm-hmm. I hope you get through this tough time. 
anything more than that, like I'm disgusted with him. And there yeah. were people that wrote comments to you, and I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, wait a minute. Not to relive the past, but I just remember sure, sure, sure. saying to Scott and Sam, I was like, none of these people know the whole story. No, you have no idea what happens behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. But you know, and so I just I couldn't say that to the world because I was just like Sean. Yeah, because then you get hit on too. You know? <laughs> I was like so close, Lewis, because I'm like such man. a ride or die. I was. It's so all close. good, but yeah, I mean, my my friends who I talk to throughout my entire relationship know the truth. The people that I talk to, the people that are, uh, you know, both of us went through challenges. Both of us had our mistakes, and both of us communicated to each other and talked about them. And I chose to not take things public about what she did or what she didn't do or what I did or not. She chose to only tell what what she thinks I did. And um, I leave it at that. I wish, I wish her the best. And yeah. I focus on my vision. I focus on what's important to me. I focus on my health. I focus on service to humanity and lifting others up and not trying to tear others down. And that's just my mission is um, to not come from a place of anger and tear people down it's to lift others up it's a it's to say you know acknowledge what i have gone through and keep working and growing and be hum, uh, humble about it and then be back to service serve 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 I and mean, that's just my mission so everything we've kind of spoken about from the beginning of this is people kind of expressing their emotion whether it's you know black lives matter yep. to uh me being able to as a man say thank you you know like I was in a place where I've I've needed your help and saying Mm -hmm. I have to express this emotion of thanks to what we just talked about which is Mm -hmm. relationships are emotional and people respond in different ways and I Mm -hmm. love how you say you know someone could be however they want but this is how I choose to respond to it what do you say to people who are afraid to express their emotions and what do you feel? What have you learned in the past of the best way to really navigate through really tough emotional times? That's a, that's a loaded question for me because at this stage of my life, I've learned how to express my emotions and I would say a more healthy way for me. In different decades of my life, I expressed anger, resentment, and I expressed them in physical ways of punching walls or getting my aggression out physically on a basketball court or football field and not being able to understand and express them internally in a healthier way. And so I think now I'm able to breathe and come back to a place of, uh, you know, suffering is the root of obsessive self-centric thinking. So when we're thinking of ourselves, of what we don't have, what we're not getting, what people don't understand about me, what the world is against me, we're going to suffer. We're going to be ruminating in our thoughts and our emotions, and it's going to be heart palpitations, anger, frustration, and it's going to come out however it naturally comes out. So we will suffer if we focus on me all the time. That's just something I've learned from just years of practice of doing it the wrong way, or a way that doesn't work for me, I should say, of feeling hurt all the time, of feeling anger all the time, of feeling a lack of acceptance all the time, all these things that I felt my entire life, it came down to me focusing on me as opposed to coming from a place of more peace and groundedness of, okay, you know what? This, this sucks. I don't like this. I need to get it out in the way that's healthy for me. But I've just realized that the energy and attention 
put towards anger is draining and exhausting. And it doesn't support a vision and the mission I have for my life to help more people. So that's just a choice I've started to make over the last few years is how can I come, how can I be smarter with my emotion? Because I know it's going to drain me if I'm just angry and just, ah, I don't like this and I don't like this and you're wrong. It's just, it's going to make me want to fall asleep because I'm going to be so tired and I'm going to be tired the next day and the next day and it's going to have lasting effects emotionally. So for me, I've just learned healthier ways to express my emotion, to not suppress it, but to feel, to feel all the emotions and then let them pass and let them pass so I can go back to a mission and back to serving my girlfriend, back to serving my family, back to serving my community, just because that's the mission I have. And I want to be an example of that. Um, so I just think you got to learn what works for you. And then we all express our emotions differently. I like to write. I've got my journal right here. I write a lot of notes and thoughts. And that is one expression of showing my emotion by putting it down, get it out of my head and heart, and put it down in paper. I like to talk to people. You know, with you, like we started right away of addressing challenging topic. I like to go right into addressing it. And I feel like, oh, okay, I feel more peace. As opposed to letting my emotions go to the wayside and not talking about it. I like to talk about things so I express it verbally but then I feel more peace after I'm done and um, and I'm also just you know, I think you speak to this so beautifully that when you move your body your emotions come through you whether it's dance or working out you're able to express it and emote it through your physical nature and when we don't move our bodies that emotion gets more trapped inside of us so if you can write every day, if you can speak every day, and you can move your body every day, then emotion should naturally flow through you and not be bottled up where you're so angry. And always trust and believe. Trust and believe. Trust and believe. That's yeah. conquer your mind, transform your life. That's trust and believe. Yeah, exactly.